0: welcome to forward progress on this monday october 16th post week six we've got an action packed show we'll be breaking down some takeaways of the week that was all of our teams won so you think we'd be in a good mood uh we'll be taking a look at early market moves and impactful injuries and then we'll preview monday night football including Cleve ta's first touchdown scoring prop if you're not already you should really subscribe like the button it helps boost us in the algorithm and allows us to grow bigger and reach a bigger audience. Of course, none of this will be possible without our sponsor Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book and available to bettors in Ontario. Find out what the pros have known for the last 25 years. Everyday competitive odds, your trusted sports book, Bet Smart, Bet Pinnacle must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly. With that being said, I'm your host, George Sophitis, and I'm excited to get this show on the road. I'm joined, of course, every Monday by pro sports better creator on the hammer betting network suma and plus ev better cleve analytics.com cleve ta thanks for joining me gentlemen we had one hell of a sunday night football game um the bills really <laughs> took it down to the wire cleve i want to start with you and with the grander theme we, we often talk about london uh and the hangover of returning um to play without taking a buy and you you talked about how it affects a team's you know, scoring total and team totals. The Bills stupidly compounded this by flying in late. Is that why you think they look so sluggish and sleepwalking, or do you think it was something else? Yeah, I don't know. It's a
1: good question. I think it's, some of that could be could be the case, but also you know they just were decimated uh, with injuries in that game in London against the Jags. So I think the combination of the two might have might have uh, helped cause some of the sluggishness. But yeah, they just is two weeks in a row that they've come out completely cold and, and sleepwalking. And so I don't know. Uh, it's, it's really hard to put your finger on exactly what's going on. But, you know, they, they were so hot going into London and it could not be stopped and blowing everybody out. And now two weeks in a row, they look very mortal and <laughs> very average at best. So I, I don't, you know, again, that, it's, this happens from time to time in the NFL, like you have these lulls. So I would uh, tend to think that they'll bounce back, especially against this Patriots uh, team. That is essentially dead for rights at this point. But, you know, it's something to monitor. It, you know, Dalton Kincaid didn't play yesterday. Um, like I said, there's some some injuries on the defense. So, you know, it uh, might have been just an attrition thing, but uh, definitely something to monitor. If they have a third straight week where they really struggle, I think that's when we start to get concerned.
0: All right, uh, Suma, let's not just dump on the Bills. Let's give some credit to the Giants. They have had a makeshift O-line Josh Izudu, who is not a left tackle, has been playing left tackle. He gets hurt in the first quarter, and then freshly signed off the couch. Justin Pugh slides over to left tackle. How were the Giants able to hang? Uh, do they deserve any credit for last night's performance?
2: Yes, I think that their de- uh, defense played very decent, um, played kind of decent against the one at least in the in the first half. And I think Taru Taylor made a few key plays, and for like. Two and a half quarters, it looked like Tara Taylor would be outplaying Josh Allen uh, in Buffalo before Allen started to do his um, casual mag- magic. I just think that Giants looked good on defense, made some key stops, and Terry Taylor made some plays down the line. And then, I mean, what a disaster at the goal line just right before halftime. Like, how in the world could you um, call a run there? Like, no timeouts like just uh, call a pass and if it's incomplete you got another you got another shot like I, I think that or i had the feeling that dable was very perplexed that they called a run and yeah. he was basically throwing up and i mean yeah a tough situation in football but um overall i think giants looked very good i think that this giants offense looked a little bit more stable with, with Tyrod taylor there um, I don't know whether that's negative for Daniel Jones or positive for <laughs> Tarotella, Taylor, but at least Tarotella Taylor was a little bit more mobile, avoided uh, sacks and made some key plays down the field and just got to give uh, the Giants credit for that performance. But it was still only a nine-point performance with some bad situational football at the goal line.
0: Yeah, I noticed, Cleve, that they tightened up their wide receiver rotation. They they finally, rather than have eight guys uh, running in and out of the game, they kind of have figured out a rotation. Saquon Barkley is back. If this O line gets a little bit healthier, you think the Giants' average can look closer? uh, Offense can look closer closer than average than as bad as they've been.
1: Maybe they they're still not very good. I mean, they've got like. Five number three wide receivers. They've so got no real top receiver, and Darren Waller always banged up. Can't really count on him with his soft tissue injuries. And you know, you're taking me back to that goal line stand uh, for the half. So I, anyone have found me on Twitter? I took Isaiah Hodgins sixty to first TD, and he was alone. He was the only receiver on the field on that play, so it was clearly going to go to him. Uh, uh, My guess is they were going to throw a fade to him. And I was just, I got up, I stood up and was ready for it. And then he called—he tapped his helmet. He called an audible to that run. And look, I know people are blaming Dayball for that, but I mean, Tyrod Taylor has been starting in this league for a decade. He can't, he's got to know that you can't run the ball there, that even if you have the check
2: uh,
1: option, like, I mean, Dayball told him not to do that. And so I don't know what he was thinking. So that that really pissed me off. And it was just a terrible play. And then I fell asleep in the second half. So I, I watched this morning. What happened at the end of the game? I would have run the ball with Barkley. I, I honestly, I think you have a much better probability at the at the you know at the one inch yard, uh, you know, one yard line of running it in, even if Barkley goes over the top, or even if you pitch it to him, like than you do with that throw to, to Waller. So uh, I would have liked to have seen at least run it in. That's the last play of the game. It's a little bit different than before the half. Yeah. But uh, but it was at least it was entertaining. At least we, we almost had three monster favorites go down, which would have been incredible. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was a, it was an interesting game.
0: All right. One of the monster favorites that went down was San Francisco. Uh, Let's throw CLV out of the window. A lot of us got in under, you know, under six and even at six and six and a half. And the game went all the way up to ten and I think closed nine and a half. All right, Suma, let's start with you and San Francisco. Like they have a lot of really good players and three of them got hurt. Trent Williams uh, finished the game, but it looked like he might have got a high ankle sprain. CMC leaves the game with an oblique and Debo Samuel with a shoulder. Um, How serious a blow uh, do all these guys are all these guys and who's the most important? Because if you're missing even multiple of those guys, this offense might not be as good as it's been.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. We are probably if all those guys miss, we are already moving towards cluster injury territory, because all three of them are are very important, like Trent Williams, arguably the the best left tackle in the game, Um, also correlated towards uh, Christian McCaffrey's success on the ground. Debo Samuel, um, very good weapon. So it will be tough if, if they lose those. I think Debo is probably the guy that um, has the highest chance of missing some time with his shoulder injury. CMC don't know whether they're going to rest him for a game, but at least it um, didn't look that bad. And I think Trent Williams came back into the game, but they needed to help him a little bit. I think there were some plays where they had a tight end helping him uh, chip the pass rusher. So um, probably Debo the the most likely to miss some time. And it was a weird game. Um, After that first scoring drive, San Francisco was not able to do anything in that game. And the Browns basically just sit back there, let their D D line eat. And basically were more physical and just hammered those guys. Like pass rush, got home one defense played very, very well. and And Purdy was just not able to do anything. I think weather was a some kind of an issue there was one play where um he had like wet hands and almost fumbled the ball uh, maybe two or three balls that were misplaced because of some wind yeah. but overall I just think that was my impression when watching the game that the Browns in combination with those Niners injuries just just had their number yesterday Cleve,
0: uh, in hindsight, and when we look in hindsight, everything seems a lot more obvious. Uh, 10 points in bad weather against an elite defense was a tad disrespectful, no? Like, how good is this Cleveland defense?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the best in the league. I think it's bar none, best in the league. I think at this point, they kind of met all the challenges. And, um, you know, I, I tweeted about it that of their five games so far, they have four of the top 18 performances in the NFL in terms of success rate allowed. And they have four Three of the top five like it's just incredible what they're doing and it's you know jim schwartz is, is a magician and he's going to get a coaching uh job i think I, I know older dcs are not not in vogue anymore but he's doing such an incredible job with this defense but i think he's going to get some looks and he deserves it i mean some of the stuff he's done has been incredible they ran man-to-man on like 75 percent of their um defensive snaps yesterday uh, which was a little bit more than than, than standard and it, you know, they were just playing physical up the line and Brock, you know, Brock Purdy just could not get comfortable against that defensive front. And again, in like you said, in the wind and against a great defense, you know, that that is a lot of points. And I think the one concern um you know that I had was you know, with PJ Walker is the fact that, you know, you could have had, you could have had multiple turnovers that led to short fields, which he had one, um, which could have, you know, by itself, you know, covered the game. But yeah, I mean in hindsight, Brock Purdy was the first time he was really Playing in tough weather and i i tweeted about it yesterday morning and i you know i did, probably didn't dig, dig deep enough and do it till late but he has never played in 20 mile an hour plus wins according to my database and again it's a short sample size but i think he had one game where the the sustained winds were more like 19 miles per hour and that was that that divisional round game against dallas last year in the playoffs where he had prior to yesterday it was his worst game of his career he completed like 55 percent of his passes and under 200 yards and just, and almost had a couple of interceptions. So we should have kind of seen this coming. And this is something I think that we definitely have to pay attention to going forward in the playoffs where they, you know, whether they play at home in San Francisco where it can get very windy um, or if they play in Philly or, you know, somewhere where, you know, the conditions aren't perfect. I think that's absolutely a factor that we have to keep in mind going forward.
0: All right. Suma, uh, I talked about last week, Brock Purdy has one career fourth, Quarter comeback, he's basically played in a preferable game script his whole career. Uh, did we learn a little bit about Purdy, or, or are you going to give him a mulligan with the injuries against a defense that good and bad weather?
2: To be fair, to be fair, I, I don't want to give him a pass for that performance. By no means, but I think that. Most quarterbacks would have struggled in those conditions yesterday. Losing your start left tackle, losing uh, losing one of your two best wide right receivers, losing one of the best running backs in the game, playing in those conditions against, like TA said, probably the best defense in the league. I think that's a situation not many quarterbacks will excel in. Uh, ex- will excel in, but we also I think saw some of the limitations that tape guys have been praying for weeks now so just just a game where we might pump the brakes a little bit on purdy but next week in a dome things could could look uh, drastically different again
0: all right uh let's go on to philly and jets the other big upset of the week uh the jets win 20 to 14 um cleave i started with suma in the cleveland game even though you're the fan and I'm going to start with you in this Jets game, even though Suma's the fan. Uh, the Eagles had a minus four turnover differential. Is that the only reason they lost?
1: You no, know, I'll say I didn't watch as much of this game as I'd like. <laughs> it was, I think it was 14-3 and I stopped watching. I just figured it would be another blowout. But, you know, Zach Wilson wasn't terrible, I guess, um, And which is interesting considering uh, – You know, all uh, being down, you know, I guess his, uh, I'm looking at success rate, it's actually like 38%. So maybe he wasn't that, you know, that average. Um, But yeah, I'm not even sure how, uh, besides the turnovers, how, uh, you know, the Jets kept this game uh, close. It has to be the turnovers, has to be the defense and the fact that they, I think DeAndre Swift had what, like 10 yards rushing, something crazy, crazy like that. So it's their defense is just always going to keep them in it, which is incredible considering the top three corners are all out. Um, you would have thought that the Eagles would have had advantage, but you know Jalen Hurts looked pretty spooked, especially in that last that last interception. He, he was getting pressure without Lane Johnson. Uh, you know when Lane Johnson left the field, everything kind of turned on its head, and he panicked and he just he missed easy throws even on that final drive. Uh, A.J. Brown crossing the middle, uh, he just he threw it behind him. It was just it was just a weird outing for Hurts, uh, who hasn't looked great all year. So I, I don't know. Again, it's one of those where you like the defense, or your best offensive lineman goes down and things get a little bit choppy. And anytime you turn the ball over, uh, against a team who's a big underdog, you're gonna keep them in it.
0: Yeah, um, Michael uh R. kelly Kellyan from the from the chat post Hertz passing outside the pocket as a 20% success rate this year. That's actually very surprising given his traits. Uh Suma, I want to talk a little bit general, uh broad takeaways. The Jets um you know, we were ready to to call their season over, but they're three and three. They head into a bye, and probably the most promising thing was Aaron Rodgers was throwing on the field without a boot. And uh, I think during this bye week, there will be Jets Nation will be uh, in the churches saying a prayer to Aaron Rodgers' Achilles. What is your level of optimism that the Jets can? make a season out of this, maybe sneak in the playoffs and maybe Aaron Rodgers
2: returns for the miraculous run. So my optimism that they can do it on their own is pretty low. I think you really need to have a developing bad AFC where you can maybe sneak in with a... 9-8 Nine and eight, if things go very well, but my optimism is is really capped because of that offense. Um, I mean, yesterday, like TA um, assumed, the Eagles just beat themselves in that game. They were they were up 43 and they had like a missed field goal. They had a fumble after the catch. Uh, Devontae Smith had a major drop where he was wide open. Uh, dropped the ball, Eagles had to punt. Hurts uh, had that tipped interception where he threw right into Dallas Godard's hands yeah. and he tipped it towards Quinn Williams. Um, another interception where um, I think one Jets pass, I think it, it was Bryce Huff, touched Jalen Hurts' uh, throwing arm, ball, does a moon ball um, straight into the hands of an, of an opposing defender. Um, it was really that the... Eagles shot them, t- shot themselves in, uh, shot themselves in the foot. Also had a missed field goal, and I would not take too much away from the Jets' offense here. They had a few big plays, but other than that, they were pretty much contained by the by the Eagles' um, defense. Missing like I think every secondary starter outside of James Bradbury. Also missed J- <coughs> Jalen Carter. Uh, Brees Hall had a few great. Uh, a few good runs, but that was uh, pretty much it. So basically a game where the Jets got very fortunate with a 4-0 turnover advantage, got a short field f- um, for the late touchdown. And um, yeah, um, Eagles just couldn't move the ball consistently through the air, despite Jets being without Sauce Gardner, without um, uh, Reed, without Bretton Eccles. And, I really thought that the Eagles, and that was also a reason why I had the over in that game. Uh, thank you, great CLV. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, I really thought that the Eagles would be able to move the ball more through the air and more efficiently. And that was just not there at some point. They had a great opening drive with that 19-plate um, uh, touchdown drive where Julian Hertz um, reached for the goal line which, in my opinion, didn't really look like a clear touchdown to me, but whatever. And then all of a sudden, yes, the, the Jets' pass rush got stronger. Also, the Eagles lost Lane Johnson, but overall, it was really more um, Eagles losing this game versus Jets winning this one.
0: Yeah, I, I the only thing I didn't hear in your analysis is that Robert Salah has figured out what Mike Tomlin figured out. When your offense is not good... You need to dip into the voodoo to get some W's and Salah had all the voodoo working. Let's go to Seattle, Cincinnati, Cincinnati wins 17 to 13. Cleve, do you think Seattle deserved a better result here? Well, considering it a plus three. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, they were definitely
1: the better team. I think overall the first, you know, the, the Bengals had a, had a nice first half or all good on a couple drives and then they, they did nothing the rest of the way. Seattle did a nice job of shutting them down in the second half. And, the, and Seattle was really good from between the 20s. But once I got in, in the red zone, it was just a nightmare. They couldn't run the ball. Geno Smith just held onto to the ball way too much. And he had a couple of good throws. But there were a couple of times where he took really bad sacks. And it wasn't just inside the 10 towards the end of the game. It was just you know, a couple of times in the, you know, inside the 30. And there were guys wide open. So, I mean... I don't really think that Seattle deserves a major downgrade here. It was just one of those where he missed a couple, you know, couple opportunities. Uh, but the defense played well. And this is what we talked about last Monday. Is that you know I wanted to see Witherspoon, um, you know, with this kind of Jamal Adams and, and a healthy defense, and I thought they played well overall. Um, could have been could have been ugly against against that offense, and they played really well. You know, didn't get as much pressure probably as I would have thought, but you know, still was good enough. And like I said I think the secondary was pretty solid. And so I think it, bode, it bodes well here going forward. Like I said, they just missed a couple of uh, couple of throws. They easily could have won this game um, multiple times. And so, yeah, I, mean, I thought it was a toss-up, and I thought they, they held their own. And, you know, there's not much more to say than the NFL. Like, it's a coin flip league sometimes at the end. It all comes down to the red zone, and they just didn't make the plays. But I think all in all, they, they played a decent game.
0: All right, Suma, people didn't quite bury Cincinnati, but everybody started picking out the plot that they were going to put their body in. Now they're three and three. They head into the bye, and Burrow will presumably be healthy after that. Is Cincy a dangerous team moving forward, or is this defense still not good enough?
2: I'm not sold on them, to be honest. I think that offense really has some way to go. Like everything is a quick game, and once Seattle was able to take away the quick game after the first two drives. I mean, the last eight drives of Cincinnati, they scored three points and that field goal came on a drive where they had 0 yards. It was it, it was after a, bang, uh, a Seahawks turnover, um three incompletions, kicked a field goal and that was pretty much their offensive output after the first two scripted drives. Seattle, uh, four trips inside the uh, Cincy 18-yard line, got away with three points. I really think that, like TS said, that, that score was misleading. I don't trust that Bengals' defense overall. I think they are worse than last year. And the offense, I mean, yes, Burrow looked much healthier, but that offense still doesn't look healthy to me. Like everything is just quick game. Offensive line is, is not that stable and maybe they come out of the bye week with some adjusted scheme, like more on the center play action stuff like they plan to going into the training camp. But other than that, uh, we, we really need to wait and see for that offense to, to make some improvements.
0: All right. Last takeaway game, uh, the early London game, Cleve, this was a weird game. It felt like Baltimore dominated, and yet we had to sweat the cover at the end of the game. What was going on in the red zone for Baltimore?
1: Oh, you're telling me. I don't know. Honestly, I, I was having fights with people on Twitter about this—not uh, fights, which is debates about. I couldn't believe it. They would throw the ball at will between the twenties, and they get in the red zone. And I counted 16 runs out of 19 red zone opportunities. Now, some of those were ended up being scrambles. So I don't know the true drop back number, but even if he gave a couple of those to, um, you know, if those are a couple. You know, they're supposed to be meant for for passes, and, and Lamar took off. That's still they ran way too much inside the red zone. I really think that had to do with what happened last week with that bad interception, uh, you know, at the goal line. I really think that they're spooked with Lamar. It's I hate to say it for guys making that much money, but they're kind of spooked at, uh, with him dropping back and throwing at the goal line. I think they, uh, that has to be because there's no other reason why, why would you run the ball down the throat of a, of a defense where the only thing that defense is good at is stopping the run up the gut? And they just kept doing it over and over. And it was really frustrating because they should have won that game by multiple scores, which we could have said against the Pittsburgh game, right? Like that was the, those were drops. So I don't know. There's all, there's just something just slightly off with this offense. Um, It's, it's like one week it's, it's drops the other week. It's, Horrible uh red zone play calling. It's there's something, you know, kind of missing. But I think when they put it all together, they've got the components. I mean, they've got a really deep wide receiver core. We even saw OBJ, you know, look like the old OBJ on that slant. He took it about 40 yards, is really nice. Um, he looked explosive out of nowhere. And you got Zay Flowers, who's who, you know, really good in short space, you know, Aguilar and Bateman, Mark Andrews, like they actually have real weapons. So, you know, I feel good about them uh, overall. It's just, you know, they just have to clean up some things, you know, especially in the red zone. And the defense looked great. I thought the defense was really good. They're very aggressive. <laughs> a couple of defensive PIs and holdings, and obviously that bad Kyle Hamilton uh, roughing, which, you know, who knows? He may get suspended here. We saw Kareem Jackson get suspended in the opener or something very similar on a hit. So, um, you know, and that could be a big deal, especially with Marcus Williams dealing with his injury. So, you know, that could be a big issue. Kyle Hamilton's been their best defender. So um, it'd be some, that's something we definitely have to keep an eye on. But uh, I think that all in all, Baltimore's a real contender. Just they got to clean up a few things on offense.
0: Yeah, it felt like they lost a little confidence, even like on some fourth down decision making. He just kept putting out uh, Justin Tucker and said, we'll just take the points, no rolling the dice. Suma, I want to give you a chance to speak on Baltimore when we preview next week's game. But there's a theme on today's show because there's a lot of quarterbacks that got hurt. Uh, Tannehill hurt his ankle Malik Willis comes in looks lost hasn't improved now mind you he he didn't get the reps and he didn't expect to go in if the Titans come out of their buy and Tannehill's not ready to go what are you downgrading the Titans if Willis has to start
2: you have to downgrade with them absolutely I mean Malik Willis didn't show or almost didn't show anything last year I mean I got to give him a pass for joining the game against a very good Ravens defense uh, with the playbook that was orchestrated for Ryan Tannehill. I think with Malik Willis, you got to put more emphasis on his own legs and and stuff like that. But I mean, I think that Ryan Tannehill is a solid quarterback and uh, Malik Willis, I think is nowhere near close. So um, also Titans still have a, a very bad offensive line and, uh, things might get more complicated once you put a quarterback in there that is not able to to uh, get rid of the ball. And Ryan Tannehill is not really good at this to begin with.
0: Yeah, and receivers, if they don't get Traylon Burks back, they have no receivers that create separation. All right, that's the theme of today's show. What's the backup worth? Let's look at current market review and prices. Uh, the Thursday Nighter, Jaguars, and Saints. Um, there's O line injuries on both sides Brandon Scherf and Walker Little for Jacksonville. We're monitoring Ryan Ramchick and James Hurst for the Saints. It's also a short turnaround, but the big one is Trevor Lawrence. And I guess the market's in a holding pattern until we find out what's going on with him. Um, Cleve, how important is Trevor Lawrence? If he misses the game, Saints are going to go. Out to the three and maybe past it, right? Yeah, with CJ Bethard,
1: you have to. It, my guess would be something more like, you know, probably minus like five, uh, six is my guess. I, it's hard to lay points with this offense with the Saints because they just, they just don't have the ability to extend leads. But you know, the uh, drop off from Morrison Beathard has to be close to five six points. I would guess cut to three. Um, you know, so I think that's definitely a factor. Uh, and then, you know, they're actually missing some guys uh, potentially on defense. Tyson Campbell was their top corner. Uh, didn't return. I think he has a, a groin injury. Um, but he he's a guy that's important. Hamstring, yeah, hamstring. And so he's he's going to be important. They got Brandon at guard is an, an issue. Look, the, the, I was on the Colts yesterday, and, you know, I guess it was the wrong read. Gardner Minshew was terrible. Um, I don't think it was really that much that Jacksonville did uh, in that game. I mean, they actually. Uh, Trevor Lawrence wasn't very good. Um, Travis ATN didn't really do much. He had one big run, but it was all those three, turno- three uh, turnovers, three uh, turnovers uh, essentially inside um, Jacksonville territory or sorry, Indianapolis territory that really gave the Jags that, that win. Um, you know, like I said, I don't think he he did anything great. I mean, his you know, 43% success rate for uh, Trevor Lawrence did. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't anything spectacular, it was more of the turnovers. And so, I don't know, short week after that uh, that game and, and coming off of London, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they react. And Zay Jones potentially being out again, uh, you know, they really miss. They have no number three wide receiver at all. It's really the top two guys, Ridley and Kirk, nothing else. So they really need him to come back. So there's a lot of question marks I have with the Jags. Their defense is playing excellent. Uh, it's like causing a lot of turnovers, but that's not necessarily something that's sustainable. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a really tight game. I, I, I joked earlier I mean, how many of these Saints, Packers, and uh, Falcons games are going to be uh, are going to have spreads between one and two points? It's like every week, every game is like a, a one-point spread either way, and it's got a coin flip. And it doesn't matter where they're playing. So this is another one of those. So I think it's actually a pretty interesting game for Thursday night. It's pretty competitive, and uh, you know that number would yeah, like you said, would, would skyrocket if uh, if Lawrence is out. Doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. But he's definitely going to be hindered from a mobility standpoint uh, is my guess. And, you know, he uses his legs to get out of the pocket. So, you know, uh, that's not something
0: you want on a short week. Suma, like a backup quarterback, but we're also on a short week, so even shorter prep time. Is that Does that compound how big the injury could be to Lawrence if he doesn't go?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you are playing against a very decent veteran uh, Saints defense uh, that likes to play a Lot of man coverage and really try to force some uh coverage sacks and coverage pressures where, they, where the D line that is, I, I think, not really that great at, at uh, generating quick pressure, but they they really are crazy between their secondary and their um, front seven and try to use some stunts and stuff like that and really try to to, to cloud the picture for the quarterback. And yeah, if you put CJ Better in there, um, I mean, it's not going to be a lot easier uh, for the for the Jacks' offense. But on the other side, I mean, the Saints, um, when you look at their schedule so far, like a very close win against the Titans, Panthers, uh, close game against the Packers, got hammered by the Bucks at home, Patriots, and now um, their, their defense also did not look that good against the maybe first real quarterback on their schedule. So... Um, yeah, we will see what happens with Trevor Lawrence.
0: All right, let's talk about this Raiders-Bears game, uh, Suma. I'm going to start with you. <laughs> Only because both starting quarterbacks are highly in doubt. Uh, first, we get the Jimmy Garoppolo news that it, it doesn't look like he's going to go this week. And then, you know, the the, the, the books uh, shift the money a little bit. They don't get off the three, but they they shade it towards the dog. And then we get 20 minutes later the news that Justin Fields is doubtful. Uh, and they shade it now towards the Raiders, but still on the three. All right, um, Sumo, so what is Jimmy G worth to the Raiders and how much do they downgrade? And then I'm going to leave Justin Fields' question to, to Cleve.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that jimmy g is kind of solid I, I think that the raiders offense in general has some structural issues this year they cannot really run the ball they invite a lot of um, stacked boxes and um, really have a low success with running the ball and that's really intriguing to, to, to that josh mcdaniel's offense uh devonte adams is getting a lot of uh passes where he basically has to protect himself already against a arriving safety or or linebacker. They had, I think two tipped interceptions already on the season, one against Denver in week one in the end zone. And then uh, yesterday against the Patriots. So kind of shaky that offense yesterday. Also the, the first time that they scored more than 20 points and that was with the help of a last minute safety by McJones that cost all of us some money. Um, (laughs) I mean, really tough offense. I think that but when you look at the personnel, I mean, the offense offensive line is not bad. They got a good running back, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers. Um, Their young tight end is coming along. I think that this offense should be better in terms of efficiency, but they are not, or they don't seem to get everything together. But um, yeah, I think Hoya from Jimmy Garoppolo is still a, a downgrade. But maybe not the biggest downgrade when it, when we consider we are going to play or they're going to play against the Bears. All
0: right, Cleve, you get the Justin Fields question. Uh, we're about to find out how bad the Bears can be without this guy. Um, uh, how bad is Tyson? Is it Badgent or Bajent? What's the, what's the downgrade? What, what, you put a number on it?
1: <laughs> I don't know how anybody can put a number on it. I mean, a it's hard to value Fields because he's so like. I mean, he he can hit those explosive runs, explosive plays, but from a down and down, you know EPA, num- you know success rate, he's not very good. So uh, you can't like you can't really downgrade it that substantially. But we also it's I mean this Tyson Badgett is a undrafted free agent who was actually really good in preseason. I know a lot of Bears fans uh, were excited about him for whatever that's worth. He was one of the top I think ten graded uh, PFF uh, quarterbacks in preseason. But again, totally unknown. I don't I mean he doesn't have any rushing capability, so it's purely in the pocket. So maybe you get I don't know, maybe your passing itself isn't really that much, you know, influence, but it's the, the kind of the explosive run game um uh, that changes things. So I don't know. Uh downgrade them four points. I'm just I'm just you know making up numbers. I don't <laughs> think anybody can can, you know, give you an accurate depiction. Like what would this line be if Field was playing? I guess it would have been Raiders, mine you know, if if it was the problem too is it's Hoyer on the other side, so that's why it's priced. Yeah. now it's priced at three with both. Like if you assume that Jimmy G to Hoyer is worth like you know two three points, um, you know this would be maybe Raiders you know close to to pick on if both are playing, but now that both are not, it's five or it's three. I, I don't know. I, I'm this is anyone's guess. I think that the people that are betting this are guessing too, and that's why it's just stuck on the probably going to be stuck on the key number three. I can't imagine playing more than a field goal with Hoyer. Uh, but i also can't imagine taking this guy this undrafted free agent with a bad defense at home under three so it's probably just gonna stay at three and, and it's gonna like it's gonna be anyone's guess so uh, it's a horrible answer because i just have no idea how you value um how you like that drop off because we don't know anything about this guy and you know justin fields is a tough uh tough guy to pin down anyway so um you know it's, uh, it's one of those
0: things where I will not touch this guy. I don't care what this line is. I'm not going <laughs> to touch it, uh, it's impossible. All right, Suma. let's guess some more. Um, Browns and Colts, um, let's get out the other injuries out of the way. Joel Batonio didn't uh, play for Cleveland last week. Braden Smith, Alec Pierce left the game early for the Colts. Uh, Deshaun Watson, um, the spread right now is one and a half, two, depending where you look. What is the line if Watson goes? What is the line if Watson doesn't go? What's your best guess?
2: I think if Watson goes, this will uh, easily go through the three, in my opinion. I think right now it's probably a a blend of leaning towards P.J. Walker because Deshaun Watson, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, T.A., but he was DNP all week. And with that rotator cuff contusion and his throwing when you are three times DNP, I'm having a hard time thinking that he's going to be able to play this uh, next week let alone uh, being healthy enough to be close to 100%. Not a, not a medical expert, but I think if he was anywhere close to returning last week, we wouldn't have seen like a DNP DNP DNP. So I think right now market is leaning towards uh, PJ Walker starting and um yeah, I mean, can you imagine uh, Gardner Minshew against that uh, Browns defense. Uh, so um, if if you put a close to healthy Deshaun Watson there, I think that line should easily be north of, north of that field goal. But right now we are probably looking at a P.J. Walker line.
0: All right. Um, Cleve, you brought up the question in, in our group chat earlier um, because somebody was asking you, what's your best guess for with Watson and without Watson?
1: Yeah, I I thought with Watson would be across to the three, probably three and a half is my guess. Um, You know, he's still not 100%. So even if he was cleared to play, you got to factor in a little bit. At the same time, you know, I think without him, that's the the question is if he's declared out, how far does this drop? Does this drop to Indy minus one or is this Cleveland minus one? Uh, You know, how much is this factored in already that that Watson may play? I mean, I I think it's kind of like a, 75-25 75-25 that he'll play, although I'm not sure that's the case. Maybe like 60-40, uh, although I'm not sure that's the case. I think it's more of a coin flip. I've I heard that you know this shoulder injury is more of a four-week type of uh, time frame, and we are in currently in the fourth week, so it's right. We're right on the edge, and I guess it all depends on on how he, you know, how he feels when he can throw. I think my understanding is he's got pain when he throws, and he can throw. It's just he can't push it. Yeah, with a lot of juice on his throw. So do you really want a guy who's, you know, 75%, 80%, who can make kind of the intermediate throws but can't go down the field? Um, or would you rather have a guy like P.J. Walker who can kind of, you know, just with that defense, kind of keep you around as long as you don't make any major mistakes with your running game and, and um, you know, short passing game, kind of make this a 16, 13 type game. And then you hope for, you know, the next week in Seattle, that's when maybe Watson can play. That's my, I'm, I would lean that way. Uh, so if you're interested in the Browns, I would probably just wait because I don't think you'll, um, I don't think you're you going to get Watson, but you never know. Like I, we're all guessing here. I don't think anybody knows for sure. So um, I, I'm just curious to see how far this would drop, you know, with PJ. I mean, it's hard to lay points with PJ Walker on the road against anybody, especially against the, you no, know, Indies, you know, call it below league average, but they're not they're not a bad team. So um, that, that's going to be interesting kind of how this settled. We might
0: just settle right there. All right. Let's uh, look at the game that's been getting the most action this morning and has been lighting up the screen. Uh, Lions and Ravens, the big injuries to watch, are both running backs for the Lions. Jameer Gibbs still hasn't played in a couple of weeks. David Montgomery uh, got a rib injury. Many people don't think he's going to play. And they still had Brian Branch and Jonah Jackson, who were also uh, injured and active. For the ravens marcus williams didn't finish the game and kyle hamilton was ejected for frankly it was a, that was probably the worst dirty hit i've seen this year he it looked it looked like he launched himself into uh, the gentleman's helmet um all right early market movement like this line starts at two and a half and raven's money comes in we're out to three minus 15 minus 20. um also the under uh and the over the to- the total got bet down to 40 and then it got bet back up to 42 so there's difference in opinion in this market uh this is probably going to be a, a, a very well bet game two very good teams um but suma you brought up the bigger discussion about betting early and what's your approach to when when monday morning comes and you got a a board and you're tempted to get in on lines do you do you like to attack stuff that you see earlier do you wait a little bit
2: Sometimes I, I like to take uh, stuff on, on Monday where I feel like I can get ahead of the market move, uh, especially when it's about a key number. But usually I like to sit back and watch the screen and watch uh, more information coming in, especially about injuries, um, because sometimes you you feel like you get a lot of FOMO on a Monday and then you take lines and then Wednesday, Thursday, uh you really got with some uh, random injuries popping up and dnps that you didn't have in your projections Uh, so usually on on monday i i like to sit back and maybe only try to get uh, some numbers where i have a really strong opinion around key numbers Um, This game, I I think in the early weather forecast, there are some winds like 19 miles per hour sustained and 35 plus gusts. So I think that played into some people betting the under. Um, Yeah, very interesting spot. I think the Ravens offense, we talked about it briefly earlier. I think the Ravens offense, just when you hashtag watch the tape, it's really, really good, but doesn't really show up in stuff like EPA per play because of All the drops early in the season and uh, uh, John Harbaugh like kicking field goals on fourth and inches, fourth and one. And um, they trying to to run the ball into a a Stroud Titans run defense, even though Lamar is having a field day through the air. Um, I think when you would adjust for like all the crazy drops, and uh, I think you also had a tipped interception at, at some point, I think that he would show up much higher in terms of efficiency. I think that this offense is is very lethal, that uh, defense is absolutely top five material. I absolutely like, love their uh, DC. And this is a tough spot for the Lions, in my opinion. So I, I absolutely understand why the early Monday uh, uh, Early Monday, money is pushing the Ravens from uh, minus two and a half to almost minus minus three, three and a half. I mean, when it touched three and a half, we we saw some buyback today, so this might be a game where we saw uh, where we are going to see this uh, constant uh, back and forth between three and three and a half. But I think, in terms of betting the Ravens, um, when you look at the last uh, uh, five games um, for the Lions. I don't want to take anything away from them, but I think their defense is probably overrated when they play the uh, Panthers, um, uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, Desmond Ridders of the world, and uh, yeah, th- this might be a very tough spot for them. Back-to-back road games against Baltimore, against a underrated defense against a t- uh, underrated offense, tough defense. So that's probably driving or the driving force behind the early Ravens money.
0: All right, I'm going to bring it full circle here and bring in P.J. Walker, and I want to rejog your memory, Cleve. Last year, Cleveland played Atlanta, and they opened uh, six for Atlanta. And you, I remember you were on uh, Carolina plus six uh, early in the week, and I didn't arrive to the same conclusion until uh, middle of the week, so I had to settle for four and a half. And that was the game, if you remember, that Carolina fumbled, Atlanta scored, and uh, all of a sudden your six was protected and my four and a half was losing. But PJ Walker uh, threw the deep ball uh, Hail Mary against Atlanta to, to at the end of the game. And it, that's my long-winded way of saying um, I sometimes also get FOMO and I try to act early enough if I can if it's around a key number and I, I'm, I strongly believe it's going to go one way. But sometimes it takes me a while to get to the right conclusion. Cleve, what's your approach Monday morning, and when do you start really formulating you know, your opinion on these games?
1: Yeah, so uh, if I think there's really we, we had a group chat about this because it's it feels like early week CLV just doesn't really hasn't really mattered when it comes to the final results. It matters when it comes to the final close, but the actual results it feels like ever since COVID, um, where that was just wild. Some of those CLVs, right? Because um, you know you, you had to kind of guess as to who's going to play, and who's not, and then you had you know midweek like guys pop up, but um yeah you know, to me it's either around it's really just around if i really I, I think after doing this for so many years i have a good sense as to where the market will move especially early um and so if i think that i've, I've got a good matchup um or you know there's an injury or something like that and i think that there the, the number is going to move around the key number i'll get in early um i'll get a position early but otherwise you know and that happens maybe maybe I get two positions a week uh, on Monday or Tuesday is kind of on average. And especially with totals and when you talk about weather and all those sorts of things, that's where I I really think it's important. Um, But otherwise, you know, it takes by the time I get all my data in and then I analyze the matchups and I look at some of the um, some of the injuries. And again, more than ever feels like there's a lot more in in week, during week injuries, during practice, like we're getting things You know, I was on Philly Uh, Monday last week at minus six, I just, I knew this would get to seven. Uh, Elijah Barry Tucker was announced out on Monday morning and I said, all right, this is a horrible matchup that D line against Zach Wilson and that O line. And then now you don't have Tucker, this is sitting at six, like this is going to get to seven. And so I got in and moved to seven, like within a few hours, I felt, oh, this is I knew this was going to happen. I actually got to seven and a half, I think for a little bit. And then all, uh, midweek, uh, we started to see that, uh, that uh, Darius Slay was on the, the uh, practice report from an injury. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, Jalen Carter uh, doesn't practice out of nowhere. And then both of those guys are out by Friday. And I was just like, holy smokes, like everything that I wanted, you know, I wanted Carter versus that interior of the line, you know, Darius Slay you know, uh, on, on Wilson. There's just nowhere for Zach Wilson to go. And then all of a sudden those guys are gone. And it's like, I, I wanted it out of my bag. So even though Sauce Gardner was announced out, it wasn't really, I didn't take the bet because I thought Philly had an advantage outside. It was, I thought it was just, I didn't think Zach Wilson could do anything with that offensive line. But then I lost kind of all that advantage with these injuries. Long-winded answers say that there's so many things that that continue to occur during the week that getting in early uh, and losing out on that information later in the week just doesn't seem to be as important anymore. Um, It almost feels better just to wait. So whether it's just digging in, finding an advantage or finding matchups that I like later in the week or information I like later in the week, or just waiting to see what injuries look like by Friday, um, you know, it's it's a slippery slope. So I really only want to get in early if I feel very strongly that a line is going to move, um, you know, my direction. Uh, and I just I just know it's going, it's going to go in that direction. Usually I'm pretty right on that too. So, uh, but it's it's a tough, a tough situation. I'm to the point where I'm not sure I want to take anything. Uh, on mondays anymore unless i have like strong information of that guy's going to be out for sure um and i can get ahead of that so um it's tough but i think the longer we 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 go i think the the more it's it's better to wait at this point all
0: right we got one more game we're going to preview and then we're going to look at the monday night football game but you know what there's just not enough likes and if you guys don't get these likes up I don't think I'm gonna let Cleve Ta give away his first touchdown scoring prop. I, I, this is—we need more likes on the Monday show. You know, it's your favorite uh, show, Monday to Friday on Forward Progress. All right, um, I've held off long enough, and I, I can't—I just can't. I'm incapable of not talking about the best team in football. The five and one Miami Dolphins go to the five and one Philadelphia Eagles, and you know, this is gonna be a game where we're probably gonna have to find out about the injury report because. The Dolphins lose Xavier Howard and Jerome Baker in game. Connor Williams is going to be very important here because of Jalen Carr, like we discussed. The Eagles also lose Lane Johnson in the game. Uh, and Jack Scroll or Stroll, whatever, Driscoll uh, is is a clear yeah. downgrade. Uh, Darius Slay didn't dress. Sidney Brown didn't dress. Reed Blankenship, Eli Ricks, Bradley Roby didn't finish the game. Um, all right, where do we start? Um Suma, when you start to think of this game, uh, where do you start? Where does your head start to go? And which of these injuries is the most important to watch for?
2: My head starts probably with the Eagles' middle of the field defense, and the well, which is the area that the Dolphins love to attack, and where Tua is, uh, we're really good at um, uh, throwing to. So. Uh, Yeah, I mean, at some point against the Jets, only James Redbury was left from that uh, starting secondary, I think. And um, these linebackers and safety are really going to face a tough challenge. I'm really interested to see which game game plan the Eagles will come up with defensively. Um, But then... Yes, this should be a matchup advantage for the Dolphins, but then we go to the line of scrimmage. and You said it, no Terran Armstead. Um, Connor Williams was uh, DNP for two straight weeks now with a groin injury. I think he's very important to that unit. We, we it, They probably didn't need him against the Giants and against the Panthers, but against this Eagles pass rush and run defense with Jalen Carter being potentially back I think you really want your starting center there who also I think made a step forward this season over the first uh, three or four four weeks and then it's likely going to be a constant battle between can the Eagles get quick pressure can they somehow contain the run game and force Tua in these longer down situations where they can let the pass rush eat Um, on the other side I mean that Miami defense is not good by any means uh their run ge- defense is not good uh, they might be with Orsavenhauer don't don't know yet about that um Lane Johnson if he plays would be a nice addition back to that offensive line but i think that the eagles should be able to to move the ball on the ground they also should uh should get something going through the air and i think for the eagles it it really might matter uh, stuff like situational play calling, um, eating the clock at the um, uh, or during the, the two minute mark, trying to co- control the game with their one game, kind of like they did against the Bucks, for example, or, or against the Vikings in the second half. And these are the kind of thoughts that I'm having about this uh, game right now. But yeah, um, tons of injuries to go through later in the week.
0: Cleve, uh, what about you? When you start to think of this game, I remember when the Bills uh, were hosting the Dolphins. Uh, it's very rare you got the Bills at home under a field goal. You're getting the Eagles under a field goal at home. Are you getting tempted by this number? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I just feel like it, I have a lot of – I was on Buffalo in that game. I have a lot of the same vibes uh, as this game. And we joked around. I, I Just because I, I was looking at the schedule, because I felt like Miami just kept playing patsies. I've said have they beaten the four worst teams in the NFL, uh, you know, in the last five weeks between new England, Carolina, the giants, and Denver. And I think that's a reasonable question to ask, you know, maybe Chicago's at 15, but those are, I mean, those are four of the worst teams in the NFL and they've done their job. Like they covered against all of them. They just destroyed all of them. And kudos to them. They can easily let down in that situation, especially this week when you had the, the Panthers, you know, and, uh, off of that Giants game where they, they had that big blowout and they got this you know, big game against Philly coming ahead, they did not look ahead and they just trounced them. Although they didn't, you know, look first first uh, like quarter and a half, it was uh, looking a little dicey, uh, but they did do their job and so you got to give them credit there. But I just think, you know, the fact that they played two good teams, you know, the, the Chargers they need last second and a, a comeback to win that one, and had to hold off Herbert in the last drive, and then they they got blown out by the Bills. So really, the two teams that they, the two good teams that they have played, have been you know either a loss or um, you know a coin flip. So now you go into Philly. I just think that this is a situation where as lo- as much as I love the Miami offense uh, and that middle of the field isn't going to be an issue for sure. Uh, they've got the if, if Jalen Carter can play, the Eagles have the quick pressure ability without sending extra pressure, and they can put put everybody back. And they can defend the middle, feel a little bit better than maybe they, they would against some other teams, or at least other teams in Miami's face. But I really do think it's the other side of the ball where Miami just has no, they're still not good on defense. And the fact that, you know, Carolina had the first, it's the first time all year that they had a positive EPA rushing the ball um, in a game was against Miami. Uh, Adam Thielen did whatever he wanted in the first half. I think he had like 80 yards in the first half and a touchdown alone. Uh, the Miami's dead last in covering kind of under 10 yards, which is exactly what you know Jalen Hurts and this offense likes to do with the quick screens and the the bubble screens and the slants. So, I think you're going to see a lot of that. You know, the Lane Johnson injury could have been more of an issue against some other teams, but you know, Miami's not really the team that I'm too afraid of to have a backup there, especially at home. So, it's not as much of an issue, especially if you can get these quick passes off. So, I think that the line of scrimmage is going to be a major problem. For Miami. Now, if, if Darius Slay is out and Carter's out, that's a totally different story. Then I think this deserves to be under three. But if everybody who's supposed to play does play, then I think that the you, you have to look at the Eagles here. Even George, uh Miami fan, uh Miami's number one fan probably agrees that if this is under three and those guys are playing, that they're probably the, the it's either Philly or pass, in my opinion.
0: All right, let's let's do this, right? Last year, <laughs> Philadelphia, <laughs> Last year, Philadelphia was accused of not playing anybody good. But they they blew out everybody they played. The the Dolphins have literally thrown pick sixes and stupid interceptions and slept walk through an entire first quarter and still covered two touchdown spreads in back-to-back games. So I'm going to give the chat a chance right here. to free roll me, okay? If the Dolphins do not beat the Eagles, we're going to pick one random person who's commented in the chat. I'm going to give them $200 of my own money. You got a free roll. Just drop a comment. If the Dolphins lose to the Eagles, I will give somebody a free $200, except Suma. Suma participates in the chat. I don't know how he manages to do that. Suma's not eligible to win. But if you make a comment in the chat uh, and the Dolphins lose, someone's going to get a free roll chance at $200. And God help you guys. If the Dolphins are 6-1 and one next Monday, the first half hour of the show is going to be all about the Miami Dolphins. I only joke, but Monday night football preview, Cowboys-Chargers. It looks like both teams are healthy. I mean, Leighton Van Der Esch got put on the IR, and it looks like Alohi Gilman might be the only guy who misses the game for the Chargers. Um, all right, let's talk about it, Suma. It feels odd to say this, but I want to see how Dallas' uh, passing attack looks against the Chargers, and I want to see how the Chargers can run the ball against Dallas. What are you looking for in this game? What do you expect from this matchup?
2: You already nailed it. These are also the two things that I'm going to watch uh, tomorrow morning. Um, Dallas Cowboys, bottom three, rushing success rate on defense. I think that with Austin Eckler back, Kelly Moore will. I mean, I think that guy, I I think uh, Daniel Popper uh, posted an article today saying. If Kellen Moore could, he would like to score 100 points on the Cowboys. So (laughs) I think that guy hasn't been sleeping this week. Um, I think that the Chargers will have success winning the ball. And I think that the Trevon Diggs injury really matters for that Cowboys defense. Uh, I think that the Chargers will have success. And then it will come down to whether the cowboys can somehow fix their offense i watched every single all 22 snap of the cowboys offense from last week and i really gotta say i'm not a tape expert but everything looks so static undynamic like isolated routes on 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 third downs triple slants um every time the the niners were able to figure out whether it's a run or a play action like when it was a play action, those linebackers did not bite at all. And when it was a one, you you sometimes saw uh, Fred Warner, who is pretty good at this, to be honest. But you sometimes saw Warner really making one step towards the one before the ball was snapped, so a- as if there are certain tells in the in the Cowboys offense. I think Michael Gallup looks completely washed. He cannot create any separation. C.D. Lamb is not getting fed for whatever reason. Um, I really have some concerns and I think if we saw one thing w- with Brandon Staley over the first uh, two years um, when he was on the Charters, he can come up with a good game plan for a specific type of offenses. So really looking forward uh, to toward toward that matchup.
0: All right, Cleve, I want to ask you two questions. And the second one being, who do you like for first touchdown score? It's, uh, they're coming out of their buy. It's been six weeks. Is this the week you think that Quinton Johnson finally gets a bigger role in this offense? And then, uh, the, then the next question is who, who are you looking at for a first touchdown score? Yeah, with Quinton
1: Johnson, I, you would hope, I mean, it's, it's a little bit, uh, you feel a little bit worried that he hasn't, you know, broken out yet, especially since Michael Williams got hurt, but you know, he's got to do it at some point. You know, as Suma mentioned without digs, you know, you got bland and you got Gilmore It's about it. Uh, Jordan Lewis, a corner the struggling there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think it's interesting. They like said the, the, is going Morgan take the bait? I mean, teams run at Dallas at the third highest rate when you adjust for opponent um, in the NFL, in uh, neutral game situation. So is he going to take the bait and, and run, you know, stick to the run with, with Eckler and Kelly, uh, or is he going to try to, you know, kind of be creative and, and show McCarthy uh, that he deserved to stick, stick around and, you know, throw the ball down, you know, down the field. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I, look, no matter what you, what you think, this is going to be a one, one possession game, because this is the Chargers game on prime time, 17 of the last 22 uh, Chargers games, I think have been within one score. So like there's just it's just flip a coin at the end. That's why I have no opinion on side or anything. Just because I just it's just going to come down to the, the last last possession. I think both both teams have advantages. The the Chargers are bottom eight and uh, early down success rate against the against the pass uh, bottom five overall. So if you're going to get them, you know they should be throwing on early downs. Whereas uh, the Chargers should be running. Dallas is dead last in success rate on early downs. So I think it's going to be an interesting chess match to see. Kind of who decides to do the opposite of what they're with, you know, where they should be going. Um, but I, I would kind of lead Dallas's way if I had to, but I don't, I would not put any money on either all either right. side. Um, all right, fine. You want to know the first uh touchdown? Like, yeah, I, I go, anyone who follows me knows that I I only do long shots, okay? So, if you're coming here for uh, if you want me to say Austin Eckler or Tony Pollard, you're not going to get that here. Uh, I only do extreme long shots, and so um, I, I have to do a real real big long shot so I'm gonna go with uh, a guy named Luke Shoemaker out of Michigan he's a rookie he's a tight end for, for the Cowboys is the number two tight end for Dallas and so he, he was elevated uh, a couple weeks ago Peyton uh, Hender, Hendershot who was the um, who was the original number two he just got put on IR so uh, the last two games Shoemaker has increased his snaps up to about he's, about, he's getting about 40 to 50 percent of the snaps on offense he got two red zone targets the two games ago. Last game there were no red zone opportunities for Dallas, so they didn't even have an opportunity there. But two weeks ago uh, against New England, he had two targets, and I watched them. They were one was he just dropped. It should have been a touchdown. The other one, he, he he got tipped at the goal line. Um, so uh and Dak has thrown 15 times out of his 35 red zone targets, uh, two tight ends. So he really does like uh and we know last year with Dalton Schultz, he's and um, Shoemaker, I, I figured I'd go with the guy who at least has, has proven to get some targets in the red zone. He's increased his target share, and it's a much higher number. So, And, and the Chargers have allowed the, the third highest uh, t- uh, targets to tight ends in the red zone as well. So uh, their linebackers stink in coverage, and that's an area that I think uh, um, you know Dallas could take advantage. So we'll see what happens. And I'll, ma- I'll match. George's uh, uh two hundred dollars. If that hits somebody in the comments, I'll I'll send out two hundred bucks if, if that hits a forty-five to one. I have no problems doing that. So
0: there you
1: um, go. I'll follow George here, and then
0: uh, uh, for the two hundred, you're not going to get when the Dolphins
1: get smashed by Philly. I'll give you two hundred for when this uh, first touchdown hits.
0: All right. Um... That's it, chat. You get a two hundred dollar free roll on Shoemaker. You just you have to comment though. You're not getting just for watching. You got to comment so we know you're in here and like it. We could tell who liked it as well. And if the uh, if the Eagles beat the Dolphins, uh, I'm gonna give the chat two hundred dollars because that's how confident I am that I'm still going to have my $200 and the Dolphins will be 6-1 and next week. Guys, thanks for doing this, man. I had a blast. We'll be back again tomorrow at 2 o'clock with myself and Sharp Clark to break down some film, recap the Monday Nighter, and give you the first Thursday night preview. You won't want to miss it. Please subscribe, like, hit the notifications bell. It boosts us in the algorithm. That's it for me. Thanks to Suma, Thanks to Cleave TA. Thanks to producer Jason. And thanks to you, the audience. Until next time.